Welcome back to the deep dive, the podcast version of what was once a great visual show, watching our magnificent heads talking in lockdown and now curls. We're just talking, just our wonderful voices, soothing to those listening to us dribble on about absolutely nothing. Pete Anthony, Shane Curlio, Curls, it's uh, Easter Monday morning. Um, it's been a reasonably busy few days and probably the main thing that I've got out of this weekend is just how much I hate public holidays because we, in effect, have to do twice the amount of work in half the time and everyone else is taking time off and you just realise that these weekends are probably just best just not punting at all sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. It's... um. Yeah, it's, it's actually, I was sort of mocking racing Queensland because we're racing in Melbourne and Sydney today, but in Queensland, we're racing in Townsville. I'd like to re- retract that statement and say thank and thank them instead because, like I, I, like, I just don't, I'm not in the mood to have to double. I couldn't back up again today after, you know, doing five meetings on Saturday. It's yeah. just crazy. But um, the Kino races must continue to keep turning so we can continue continue to keep losing as a country oh absolutely but it's just such a brutal couple of weeks we've got anzac day next monday so uh you know wa we've got ascot saturday and monday so good luck if you want to go away or anything like that unless of course you can take the meetings off but look it's it's often harder to actually have them off when you're trying to process data and all that sort of thing but i must say it does help a lot and you don't feel it quite so bad when you have a winning weekend if you're like me and you did your absolute balls across the country, it makes things a lot more difficult. Yeah. Um, maybe I won this weekend because this was the first time in 18, 19 years that I haven't had to pretend to be Easter Bunny. <laughs> Didn't have that stress. Hang on. You know, so, the, the, the fake fur and the half-eaten carrot. and. So, so you're literally being the Easter Bunny in previous years. Yeah. Yeah, my oldest is like 10, so there hasn't been a gap. My youngest yeah. is 10, so there hasn't been a gap for 19 years. Jeez, that's commitment. I've, nev- I've never had that as a kid. I never had a visual, someone in dressing up as the Easter Bunny or anything like that. There was just chocolate that just appeared out of somewhere and I never ate it and it went white and until my younger brother ate it. Yeah, well, I mean, I had to, I had to lie to my kids to enhance the experience that is Easter and the joy on their faces. Well, they find yeah. the Easter eggs. I mean, it's it's one thing lying to them about Easter and Christmas, but there's no lying when it comes to punting. The data doesn't lie. It really doesn't. Neither does your Betfair balance. Oh, <laughs> the Betfair balance. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, shall we start in Sydney? Because it was the last weekend, so to speak, of the carnival, last group one races. You know, there was yep. there's some okay performances. Cascadian's figure is good. Um, in winning the all-age, as you would expect. It was clearly the best race on the card, but probably the most traction was Nashua Willer's ride on Kementari coming up the fence, like really scraping paint. He's just such a good rider if you back him and expect him to try and put a horse into the race. He's not going to die wondering, is he? No. Um, yeah, like you want to be on him and... You know, this is not the first time we've experienced this in Sydney either. Remember Brenton Avdullah knocked the inside rail down to win the time-honoured Bondi, I think it may have been. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, 
And we've seen a, a, a much maligned horse, if you like, uh, in Kementari, who's been known as Special K for cats. Yep. Um, regularly throughout his career, go and push the inside fence down and take a run that wasn't there. Um, it's amazing what a freshen up and a bit of time with the Phillies does for you, Pistol. Well, especially uh, when it, it doesn't work as well as it used to. <laughs> um, maybe he's sort of just got got into the breeding barn and worked out that um, you know it's much more. It's not much fun firing blanks in <laughs> at home where you could be on the track chasing the line and didn't he chase the line? Count the roof. He was home for everything and um, yeah, it was great narrative. It's a great narrative race if nothing else. Um, only and I preface this when I say only because it's been such a high big prize money carnival only 83,000 to the winner that race yeah and Nash is knocking down the rail it's and that would that would probably be less jockey trainer welfare or whatever else they take out um so you know what's in it for Nash like I don't know not a lot prize money wise like that was like I was sort of I just tweeted wow because I wasn't sure whether to say that's completely brain dead or that is completely ballsy and I still don't yeah. know. It's because I wouldn't sit on the back of a Shetland pony, let alone a thoroughbred, <laughs> at sixty k's an hour, knocking an inside fence down to take the run. So I, I don't know where I sit. And although you're meant this. to try and give the horse every chance of winning, it's it's still Kementari. Although having said that, he does have a bit of Sosie Bon about him in that his last since he won at Ascot, um, when they took him over there for that little sojourn, he had three runs in the West. He's raced 10 times and he's won three. So his previous 30 starts, he only won five. So he's going better than what he did historically. So, But at the same time, mm. yeah, if Kementari flashed home and ran second, no one would have batted an eyelid, you know, held up in the straight. But you're exactly right. You know, What's the difference between dangerous and, and genius, I guess? Yeah... I don't know. Well, I, well, I mean, obviously there was some Ch- Channel Seven commentary about the ride. Caitlin certainly wasn't happy with it, um, and she dropped the line of "That's what Nash is known for." Mm. So, I th- she would only have heard that from her partner because she's not in the jockey's room. So, like Nash, so you know, Nash is known for that on the track. So, from a punter's point of view, like Nash is our pinup boy now. Yeah. So what, he's a little bit reckless on the track and so maybe it causes a bit of consternation in the jockey's room. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. I mean, there's been worse. There's been worse. I mean, Hugh killed a horse and <laughs> almost ruined um, young Adkins' career when, and he got, you know, and we're, we're jumping up and down about Nash taking a ride that wasn't there. I don't know that we're jumping up and down. I suppose, no. you know, what, what they talk about in jockey circles within their own amongst their own peers would be different how we see it as punters, no doubt. But anyway, like Nash goes to the top of the pedestal um, as far from a punting point of view. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Go, um, and just on the last thing I want to say about Kementari <laughs> is we've seen him in Brisbane. He won the buffering or whatever it was up here. Uh, when was that? He won the buffering here back in January, yep. um, pre-Magic Millions. Like, are we going to see him again? Surely, Vic, you know, Vic, you know, Group Two Victory Stakes. I think I'm not sure whether that's next week or the week after. Then, with you know, you got the Kingston Smith, the Stradbroke, these types of races. Um, you know, he's up and about the Special K. 
Last three starts, he's had Nash on each start. He's won two of them. And the other one, he ran 16th of 18, the Magic Millions Cup. Only beaten 4.7 lengths, it must be said. But maybe Nash is the key. Maybe he just needs a real strong jockey just reminding him who's the, the big, boss. The big standover man. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, anyway. that's, that's Sydney um, outside of it. You know, what did we have? Just, just another meeting. Yeah, plenty of rails and run winners. You know, the, the meeting just looked like a one-lane highway for probably the first four races or so. Then Espiona won off the fence. And yeah. then it was back to rails, rails, rails. Our playboy was I mean, wide, and, you know. As usual, I tweet complete dribble, and I did tweet that the track cost Fireburn the triple crown. Um, I must have run out of characters and or brain cells to say that the ride probably didn't help it either compared, considering how the track was playing pistol. Yeah. Is, where I was going with that. Did the best horse win the Moe and Shandon Champagne Stakes? No. no. Fireburn should have won the race. Um, bad rides. Bad tactically, tactically maybe. That's certainly, you know, a dirty track at that point in time. And Espiona, um, like it was a group three, but it was complete shit, let's be honest. It's been nothing... Yeah. And it's an Whatsoever. awful figure. Complete trash. Terrible. Like, this horse has Terrible. regressed massively. And maybe it was just a, a ridiculously high peak performance in that second ever career start at Flemington. Maybe she's just a Flemington horse. Maybe she prefers the, the Melbourne way of going because her prep so far has been underwhelming, to say the least. Certainly hasn't got anywhere near the heights of that second start. No. No, it has regressed noticeably too. He's still mm. like two lengths each time. Yeah. Anyway. What's mate. that say about the others? What's that say about wet tracks? Ooh. What's that say about the Sydney autumn? It's just complete. They're just running on terrible tracks and then they can't run to their best. Well, we've seen, yeah, the Melbourne form stacking up quite a bit in Sydney, which I I don't remember it probably happening quite as much ever. So, yeah, mm. the, the trash tracks and, you know, obviously they've had a ridiculously wet winter, but... It makes it really iffy going over the next couple of months. You're looking at the racing and going, well, why would I bother betting there? Espiona <laughs> mm, did run the fastest last 200 of the meeting, um, according to the punning form data. So we might, you know, we might see her improve or something next preparation. Hopefully she goes up to Queensland. Oh, I'd love her to. Bring it on. Yeah. The more better horses, the better. So I can sit at home in my office and not care about it. Just bet. <laughs> like usual. Like it. Uh, let's... But speaking of, speaking of Queensland. Oh, exactly. Now, do you want to talk about what's going on at Eagle Farm at the moment, the track report? I do. I do. And I'm noticing something in the data that confirms what the eye told me mm. on the weekend and what I've been feeling for some time. Now, this is not a, not a pocket tweet. On the weekend when I said Twitter needs to start banning accounts of people that are still bagging Eagle Farm. But that might have been, some might have seen that as a stretch. Well, <laughs> there's Curly making stupid big calls again. Yep. The data doesn't lie, my friend. Have a look at the sectional times. You can you can both look at both raw and and uh, four to two class. Yep. And all, all benchmark sectional times this week. Horses were hitting the line at Eagle Farm and they were winning from everywhere. 
early on in the day, I thought, oh, geez, you don't want to be too far off the speed here. You know, like, um, you know, Reggie Wood was was wide and was able to stay in a nice rhythm. And when he was asked to, to extend, he let down like a nice horse. Not, sorry, that's a massive over-exaggeration. <laughs> let down like the horse that he was compared to his rivals in that race. Yep. Um, sat wide and killed them. Green Shadow's another horse that was able to peel from cover and extend. Luna Snit then chased a hot speed, sat behind the leader, um, you know, and was still able to sprint. Now, we were, I was looking at sectional times here where they couldn't lift their leg, leg, lift their legs the last four to two, two to the finish at Eagle Farm. You know, the track was rock hard underneath apparently and choppy up top and they just couldn't get any momentum and couldn't let down and finish off. Saturday, to me, it looked like you could win from anywhere. The good horses were letting down and the good horses were running well. Yeah. So maybe the excuse for Eagle Farm this whole time is we've had shit horses running on a track that's slight, that's slowly improving because that's what we have in Queensland compared to look at what's come down from uh, up from south, you know, flying crazy. Reggie Wood Green Shadows, certainly not A-grade Sydney horses, probably C-graders. Yeah. Maybe B. But, like, have really let down, like, you know, and and savage the line. And we're seeing horses attacking the line. Well, how was the figure so, in the 1,000-metre uh, the race, especially the listed race? Jeez, there's um, some good performances there. The Jesse Bell has gone to a new level this preparation. That's a, a great figure there. And Zoo really style first up is just, you know, it's, it's actually performed very similar to what it's done in previous preparations, Fresh, but uh, really gassed out over the last 200 off a, off a strong tempo. Yeah, they, they went hard in that race for sure. Um, never sort of come up for air. Mm. And the two horses that had the, had the form and had the data to finish off strong on this track were shooting for gold and um, and the winner, just Swee Bell. Um, you know, both horses have ran, you know, strong closing sectionals. Just Sweet Bell did did have a negative uh, 9.9 on this track at 1,200 um, last preparation for its last 600 metres and was able to uh, improve that to a negative 10.8. Now, I'm not saying these horses have improved that much, Pistol. What I'm saying is the track has. Yep. And the data's there, clear as crystal. The Eagle Farm track is back, baby. You can bet with confidence at the farm. Some trainers are still going to say it's a bit firm underfoot, but they're the only the, the trainers that are saying that are the trainers that can't train a winner there. So, uh, we, I think we're in for a, a good, fair betting surfaces for the carnival. You can back a good horse with any, you know, with a with not necessarily with any setup, but if you can, you can back a good horse and be comfortable that it can handle the surface and run right up to its best. So we might see um, a horse like Ayrton, who was a Stradbroke handicap whisper tip last year, this time last year, and come up here and got beat at Eagle Farm and then won. We, we might see horses like it come up here and on a big track, on a better surface, like run some big figures. I like this. Uh, we might have to, maybe next week, we'll do our power rankings for the best betting tracks at the moment in Australia. Mm, I'm because, like talking yeah. with a bit of, I'm talking with a bit of passion here about mm. this, aren't I? I've got a bit of passion in my voice. I can feel it. I've got a little goosebumpy. Oh, you've got me convinced. I'm looking for tracks all the time that I can have know, a look bet at with the, confidence. Have a look at the data. Have a look at the horses and look at the figures they've run here and the times they've run here compared to historical mm. on this track over the last six to eight months. Um, 
it's there. The data's there. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure we have a full credit award this week. Um, <laughs> but if we did have a full credit award, I would be... I'd be um, handing it to the BRC, Brisbane yep. Racing Club, who have copped, and fairly, a lot of criticism over the handling of this track one way or another. Government interference, Racing Queensland interference, Brisbane Racing Club, no one really wanted to take responsibility, but here we are. They're, we're back, and good on them. Speaking of tracks you can bet with confidence at, should we talk about Oak Bank? Because well, we should because I, we've tipped a four. We tipped a four. We we've tipped a winner on the preview show. Now we said four dollars. It starts closer to two eighty. Yeah. I talk about talking about all banter here in race eight. What 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 did it start and why? Uh, I I'll get, bring it up now. Uh, I was taking an average of about six point four before the jump, and I kind of stuffed it as well because I was looking at sending that early and I was. The best was 380 the morning of, and I thought, oh, you know, don't really like that. You know, if you're looking to bet early, one of the best products available is clearly best of the best, you know, and there's a few bookies that will allow you to get on pretty much regardless of who you are, which is great. Um, but no best of the best at Oak Bank because it's clearly a, you know, provincial track, and so it was like top flock, and I thought, oh, top flock, like this thing's only going to shorten from here. In the end, they've back rocked the ring. Uh, all banter over $5.70 Betfair SP. 550 yeah. across the, the fixed odds. Larimer Street, they did back, which was one I thought they might have come for. And I went Correct. back and had a look so. at the, the data for Gaze Grease. I thought, geez, there's some really nice splits from this last start. Looks like it should get in the right spot from gate 12. I think in the morning it was $7 as well, and it got back out to $12 the fare. And like in the end, I've backed it and all banter just at the prices. And like, wasn't it just chaotic riding? And I mean, full credit to Jake. Torak has like, just put the horse in the perfect spot, staking his time ambling across and just angled it wide into those perfect lanes. But some of the riding there was just complete chaos. Mm. Um, some of it reminded me of Toowoomba on a Saturday night about <laughs> 9 o'clock. Um, <laughs> but like, full, and runner-up in the full credit award, now Jake Torak, like I took $4 when we discussed this horse starting $283. So good on me, he never went back for seconds. Um, but like he's lobbed in a spot you didn't want to be yep. on the day. Fair, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, it was just really difficult. At, if you didn't get the tempo right up front, you had no chance. And then if you tried to angle into the wide lanes, you're trying to sit sprint on a leader and you've got these horses just hooning down the outside fence, just getting the little velodrome. Hmm. He summed it up perfectly, like you said. He, he angled out wide, and that's where Larimer Street came as well in the straight to run into a hole. And uh, yeah, tow rope was too good. It was a great ride, and full credit to him. Um, yeah, the pattern was there for all to see. Now, so anyone, so you know, if you're doing um, the meeting review here, and you're looking at jockeys that are sticking to the inside and cutting the corner to make ground on the in the you know on the corner, you just want to pen them. Yeah, uh, well, it was, was clear as day, and it was also it was clear as clear as clear as clear, and um, it was a great meeting to watch without without hurdles. Yeah, wasn't it? That, it almost made me want to do the form for today, and then I realised I'm, I'm I went very close. <laughs> yeah, I went I went very close. Um, 
And well done to everyone that are stuck in the 80s that are on Twitter now bagging the Oakbank Club for not having jumps and talking about the 70,000 people that used to go to the meeting over Easter 80 years ago, yeah. 10 years ago. They get five, you get four or 5,000 attendees at a race meeting nowadays, you're doing a great job because racing's irrelevant. Yep. Yep. So there was a hundred. There was, it was a couple of hundred thousand matched on the fair. I don't obviously no no idea what turnover figures would be on across the board, but a couple of hundred thousand matched on the fair. Um, you know, in in a few races, that's you know that's healthy as you know, not quite not not quite beating Sydney, but not far off it. It's better than NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, good on them. I hope they uh, I hope they continue to grow the the Easter meeting and they can get, you know, four or 5,000 there and not have to bet on or not, not have to have five non-betting races. Yeah. Um, I'm not against hurdles or jumps or whatever, you know, there's space for everything in the world. Just, just personally, not for me, that's all. Well, you can, if you're a fan of jumps, there's a pack in a meeting. I think what this evening, which is just all jumps races. Is there? Yeah. Right. Another meeting to not have to get involved in. Exactly right. Anyway, well done to him. Full credit. And well done to James Jordan on Twitter for standing his ground too and fighting the good fight. I hope it works out for him. I don't know what that means, but... Oh, he's a, like a member of... Like on the committee of Oak Bank and he's uh, he's answering all the questions on Twitter and standing his ground. Oh, look... The decision's made. To, to be honest, given the way the track played, like I, I, it's... A fascinating point of difference. It, I'd be happy to see more flat racing there ongoing, but clearly that's not how things work in Adelaide or South Australia, so it doesn't really matter. No, um, anyway. Okay, so while there was good racing at Oak Bank and good racing at Eagle Farm, the state of racing in WA at the moment is, I'm not sure what the technical term is, but the word that comes to mind is dog shit. Like it is pretty low dog shit, isn't it? Uh, it is unwatchable at the moment, and like it doesn't help that I had three no seconds across Good Friday and Easter Saturday, which was something like a twenty-one unit turnaround. Which when you when you're sort of like oh. struggling for consistency, like there's been a lot of I don't remember a time when I backed that many leaders who haven't led. Like just that's part mm. of this this whole argument, but the visual product in Perth is awful at times there's just races where there's no genuine tempo at all you see these awful bunched fields going around in formation and the number of people who keep saying great ride on a front runner when it's cruel and sometimes they get rewarded and other times the three wide line is the only place to be because everything else is just a, a speed hump like leaders are out there in front because they are good at handling high cruising speeds not because they've got a turn of foot and I don't know how long it's going to take for WA trainers and jockeys to realise that, but clearly there needs to be some sort of re-education, you know, a clockwork orange style. Yeah. There's only there's only one person to blame for this pistol, W. Pike. Yeah. Because forever he's been able to be last at the turn, weave his way through and beat the horse that I'm on by nose. Yep. I blame Pikey completely and utterly blame Pike, and the whole place needs to be disinfected <laughs> from Pikey's disease that he's left in the jockey ranks. Yeah, well, there's certainly no one's taking his spot. 
you know, like you're sort of thinking, well, you know, Clint Johnson Porter is very good and Chris Palm's very good, but they they haven't quite gone to that pike level of just mysticism or the ability to lift horses. And I mean, he obviously missed out on a few as well, but you always knew that you couldn't let him be in be within striking range at the top of the straight because he would nail you. So it oh. almost made the jockeys ride a bit faster. It also doesn't help having Shooter McGrady or Sean McGrady out because he is the genuine best front-running jockey in WA by the length of the entire Ascot straight. But the uh, the data was somber reading as well. Well, you look at the lead times here um, and you just wonder, I don't know how you do it. Like I, I, I think Baggy Intern sort of suggested that WA were the worst collective bunch of metropolitan jocks in yeah. Australian racing in any jurisdiction. Some of the lead times here and the variance of lead time throughout the day. Like we're talking about the same bunch of jocks that go around every race here, right? Yeah. So it's not as if you just got someone from the bush coming into town and, and going out at negative 18.5 in race four and then plus 10.8 in race eight. The variance between lead times here makes it very difficult. Not that I do it, but I would imagine it for you would make it very difficult to map and to bet to a map with any confidence whatsoever. Like I said, I don't remember going through a stage where so many leaders aren't leading. There's just, and, and the bizarre thing is the Ascot track probably played more even. And by that, I mean, there was more winners from midfield to back markers winning in the first half of the season. And it's only been late that it's picked up and been a bit more traditional on speed. If you ride at a proper tempo and you lead, it's very difficult to get past. But I've never seen so many jockeys afraid to take some sort of initiative and try and lead a race. That race eight, the size produce, was one of the most disgraceful events I've ever seen. And there was horses jumping wide in the event. They were being restrained back towards last. The winning jock, Brad Parnham, basically was, you know, in the victory speech was almost apologetic for, he was just like sitting there and just going so slow. He clearly didn't want to be leading. He was just, well, you know, what else am I meant to do? It was just completely farcical. And there was another two races on the card where, uh, race six, you had three leaders. Oh, Backmarkers ended up sitting outside the leader and failing as favourite, probably because they didn't know what, what was going on. Um, and the horse at three wide, no covers, actually won because it just had momentum the whole time. As you alluded to, race four, which, uh, to be honest, I think it was... I know Jet Stanley went 18.5 lengths faster than standard, but holy shit, it was a good ride knowing the horse and it managed to hold on. Um mm. I wouldn't necessarily say 18.5's the go, but certainly if you can lead at eight, that's probably perfect for Buster Bash. Uh, race yeah, well, I mean, he's... He, he, I'm just looking at the at the uh, benchmark figures for the last six, four, and two, and, um, yeah, he got home nine lengths slow and ran the seven eighty second fastest last 200. So there's yeah. one for the um, last 200 split punters. Perfect ride. Perfect. Broke their hearts. Yeah, and look, we, we go to race three. Race three was farcical. You know, it was slow early. Cross Statement and Newhad are both genuine leaders. Newhad's done its best work of late leading genuine tempo and it basically compounded, almost looked as if it didn't want to be there. And Cross Statement, genuine grinding leader, was never winning the race and yet lost in a bob because it just went too slow. Our boy Dylan was sucking up behind it, one out, one back and, and nailed it. Uh, race two, Scooter's Machine leading, dropped the anchor mid-race, Bunched them all up in the three wide line one. 20 to one shot, one from last. It was just, it's a horrible mm. standard of racing. You get nothing out of it. 
it's awful to punt on and I don't know what it must be like for some of the connections watching some of these races unfold because if there was a game plan beforehand, it clearly wasn't being uh, carried out. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe there's a lack of game plan at the moment, but I think it's a case of the the stewards and the senior jocks need to sit down and have a good conversation because some of the riding is just dead set dangerous. They're going that slow. It's I'm surprised there hasn't been any any harm come to 20th of horses or jocks because some of it's just atrocious. Well, that's a fairly savage assumption, but a bloody good one all the same. Yeah. Anyway, it's Ascot is not in my power rankings for the best tracks to bet at at the moment. I'll put it that way. Oh well, we need to. I'll need to do something about that on social media this week and update some track power rankings. Um, I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but sort of bordering on becoming one, aren't I? This track, and it's not just because I won ten units there, all the pistol. It's just the data is what I'm looking at here. Well, I'm, I'm just looking to the Victorian calendar and when's the next meeting at Flemington when can I finally get back to Flemington <laughs> it's almost just cathartic after a while just getting back there was Ayrton the best winner we saw in Melbourne I think Probably it has to be best horse yeah yeah, yeah. And, and look I love some of this betting data it, for those who look at our social stuff I'm, I'm just trying to pick out the best example of polarising betting fluctuations and I think this was it for the weekend because there was support for, for Ayrton on the day. It sort of gradually drifted out, fixed odds. You get around 350, 360. Firm late into 270, $2.90, best uh, or bet for SP. And then on the totes, best tote, $2.30. Like just, it's magnificent, isn't it? God bless the TAB tote promo backers. <laughs> oh, They're all on Ayrton. They were. Uh, um, now, you're, the reason why you are one of the smartest amongst us, Pistol, is you don't have an active Twitter account. <laughs> uh, there was some vitriol directed at Mick Price after the win of Ayrton where I, it was quoted, I didn't take any notice. Mick saying the horse needs the run, probably can't win, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, what were the flux? It was a little bit... Oh. It was firm, wasn't it? Yeah. Last four minutes, 340 to 270. I'd say that's a good go. Yep. Um, so, you know, they blamed the robots and they and whatever else. And, you know, Mick had, had apparently been pouring cold water over this horse for a while, um, which is, uh, you know, the punteth lesson giveth, the punting lesson taketh away, pistol. Yeah. Don't listen to trainers, for Christ's sake. I must say, I'm looking at this data for Ayrton, right? And it's run a very similar figure to what it did after the freshen up when it won at Caulfield over uh, 1,400 on the 28th of, of August last year. Arguably, arguably gone better because of the tempo. Yeah. I reckon. The one thing I will say... It didn't really plateau over the last 200. Usually you'd expect to see a horse decelerate going through the line, especially first up. I suspect that this horse was fitter than they thought it was. I wouldn't be yes. surprised if there's a little bit of flatness second up. See, 
see, this is see, Mick doesn't have a data team. Yeah. You know, if he had a data team and had the e tracker, the <laughs> lactic tracker, and all that, he would have known this horse is ready to go. Mm. So to um, to help people understand what you're saying about the deceleration, just the raw times. Four to the two, eleven point eight. Two to the finish, eleven point five six. Yeah, that's a good piece of acceleration. Yeah, for a horse that's not fit, you would expect it would dash from the six to the two, plateau out, and then not finish off as strong the final furlong. Yeah, or two hundred meters. Um, so I think particularly and particularly looking at the the. In its, so we go back through its data from last prep at 1,400, never gone that quick early than what it did first up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating little race to, to pull apart in the post. Yeah. And so though, if anyone from E-Track is listening, get on the phone to Mick. Yep. He, he, snot, <laughs> he did snipe the Kieran Ma data team a few times, didn't he, publicly? And, you know, oh, we, don't, we don't have the data. Like, yeah, you could. Yeah, that's quite humorous, and that's okay. Yeah, I reckon it's great narrative. I like Mick. Um, I like what he's, you know, what he speaks, what he thinks, and this time the punters that listened to him got it wrong. Well done to the people that didn't and found it three forty into two seventy. Congratulations, nice horse. Yeah, we'll probably see it in Queensland, I'd imagine. That that's what I'd be looking at. If it has one more start or next start, I'd be just wary of it. Start after, I think it's in for a, a real good preparation. All right, girls. Indeed. Let's uh, let's wrap mate. it up. What, what have you got planned for the week? What what can the punters at home expect? Well, brilliant week. Uh, Ipswich Wednesday is the only meeting uh, this week in South East Queensland. We have Rockhampton and Cairns Thursday and Friday. Okay. Um, so it, which means that uh, so I only bet Wednesday Ipswich and Saturday I have Gold Coast Dolby Doombin. Very good. Lovely little week ahead for me. Looking forward to it. I've got an Ascot triple header, which after the general, you know, talking to myself, looking into the mirror and the, I don't know, what I call it a decompression session we've just had. I've got Ascot Wednesday, Saturday and Monday. This just seems like something that I'm just really going to be looking forward to. And I might end up betting at Kalgoorlie instead. But that's okay. In Melbourne, so Jacko's got, uh, he's already sent a couple of bets for, for today at, at Lakeside, but it won't be race by race and it doesn't matter because you're not going to listen to this by the time they've started anyway. Uh, Bendigo Wednesday, you've got Caulfield again this Saturday. The Victorian Owners and Breeders Race Day, which probably means I'll be racing oh. for a million bucks per race. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? It really does. Oh, it's the Vobus Day, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's the Vo- Yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It looks like there's a lot of Vobus Gold races, so it must be some big prize money. Oh, Gee Anzac whiz. Day, though. Anzac Day at Flemington. Oh, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. You're back. Book your flights. Very good. That was one of the best podcasts that we have done this month. Indeed it was. I reckon this is probably the most under-listened to piece of content the mailbag has ever produced. And it's uh, full credit to us. As a, you've got to get 30 minutes exercise a day, put your ear, AirPods in and go for a walk and listen to this. You'll be much fitter and much wiser. 
Absolutely. Charles, it's a pleasure. But I suppose if I, if I heard that, they would have already finished it. So next time. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Still. We'll catch up later in the week for the preview. Cheers, mate. Thanks.